G'day punters and welcome to Tabs Inside 50. I'm Nick Quinn, joined by two of the biggest names in football, the legend from the Hawthorne Football Club, Shane Crawford, and the man with the poison pen, Ooh. Glenn McFarlane. Lads, I'm going to get straight into it. On the back of Hawthorne losing to Adelaide the oh, other night, Croft, are you regretting the fact they did not merge with Melbourne in 1996? <laughs> well, firstly, can I just say you're running red hot at the moment, Quinny. Um, in the football space, in the racing space, you're just tipping winner after winner. Last week you mm. pumped up the Giants and we cut you down and said, no way, we don't trust them. And, of course, they're at their very best. So you're in red hot form and the Hawks are not. Uh, losing to Adelaide... Uh, is it their worst loss for the year? I don't think so. I think the loss to Sydney was probably even worse because Sydney had so many out. But, yeah, well done to Adelaide. They brought lots of energy. They took the game on. There was a lot of belief. And Hawthorne, off a four-day break, which is not an excuse, brought in four or five players, a lot of senior players. And obviously, from a coaching point of view, uh, that was the plan. Bring them in. We'll get. They'll get us across the line. We don't want to lose this one. And, uh, yeah, they would be definitely going back to the drawing board, scratching their head, and a lot of really tough decisions, unfortunately, need to be made because the Hawks, they're in a massive hole, and um, it doesn't look like they're going to climb out of it very soon. Hawthorne started the season 3-1, and one, including wins over Brisbane and Richmond. Since that point in time, Glenn McFarlane, they are 1-9. and nine. It also coincided with Clarko going on the rant about the umpires. <laughs> what has happened and where has the season gone so terribly wrong? Oh, it's fallen apart completely, hasn't it? Uh, earlier in this year, and, and I, I can't believe it, I tipped them to finish 8th this year, and I can't believe uh, where their list has come, uh, come to in a really short period of time. They, they are in a world of hurt. Their list is as bad as anyone's in the competition. Maybe Adelaide, you think, have got a little bit more work to do. North Melbourne maybe as well. But this is this is a debacle. Clarko's got caught up in a number of other different things. He's got to start looking at that list and say, we need to rebuild. You, you can't gild the lily anymore now. It's, it's, it's absolute emergency time for Hawthorne. Uh, it's going to be big trouble if they don't. Well, he seems a little reluctant to go down that path. And these are some of his comments following that deplorable loss to Adelaide. When, when, did you, when did you think the Bulldogs' piece of silverware was going to come in 2015? What about Richmond? What about Hawthorne in 2006, 2007? When do you think theirs was going to come? When did you think Hawthorne's was going to come when we were 1-6 and six in 2010? And then we played off in the prelim final the next year. So that's what I mean. The, the, the game can turn very, very quickly. Um, and the fortunes of your club can turn very, very quickly. And right now, it just seems like we're a world away from that. But... Um, it's not just Hawthorne, it's a lot of clubs in the competition. Um, West Coast came from nowhere under, under Simo in a very, very quick space of time and won a, won a flag. So um, it, uh, it can happen very, very quickly as long as you've got um, a belief in your method and uh, the players have got a belief in you. Then you need a little bit of luck with your, uh, with your personnel and that the better players are out there for the bulk of it and you've got some continuity with some of your best players. And, um, yeah, anything can happen in footy. Is he delusional? Oh, in that sense, of course he is. He's got to defend his group. Um, he's put this list together as well. Um, I think where he is delusional is that things can turn, but they can turn the other way too. And this has turned so quickly the other way. I think a lot of people thought Hawthorne would be around the mark. They have been. This is a, a situation. Quinny, they've won four games. I know, take away the abbreviated season. We know it's a shorter season. The worst that the, a Clarkson team has ever done in his time at Hawthorne is five wins. So he there's no certainty to get to that at this stage. And that was 
in his uh, first year of 2005 uh, when he was rebuilding, the last time he was rebuilding. They need to throw it all out now. Uh, they need to make some tough decisions on players and bringing an end to some seriously good players' careers. They need to think about trading a couple of players that they've got with currency still left. But and who they, would that be? In terms of trading or getting rid of? Trading. Okay, trading. I reckon there's probably only two. There's probably only two that you would consider trading at this stage, and it's it would be hard to do because these guys are three-time premiership heroes. I think Jack Gunston would have some great currency at a club. Say a club like Collingwood. Who great needs currency. He's 30 Good currency. Year. Good currency. Okay, great might be a little bit over the top, but good currency. Hawthorne have got nothing else to you know to trade in a sense. Luke Bruce, I think, at the right club. So I think Gunston and Bruce at the right club would give some good currency to to, to Hawthorne in terms of the draft. But what Clarko is also saying is that it's a compromised draft, which it is. We know that. With the next-gen academies, it's a very compromised draft this year. But you can't put up the white flag. They need to make a decision right now. Uh, no comment on the Hawks. No. Um, <laughs> look, uh, they were very hopeful of being a, t- a contender this year. Contender. That's why, very much so, um, with the way that the preseason was unfolding. And, and even at the start of the year when we knew that everyone was going to go into these hubs, I thought, do you know what? Hawthorne will handle it better than every other club. They're just being a, a obviously knowing the way that the, the club works – but they haven't. And and the thing is, you've got these older type players who are coming towards the end of their career. But the thing is, the drop-off can happen at a massive rate. If you can't get that selection right and, and that longevity selection right, it, they can fall away and, and virtually fall off a cliff so quickly. I think the MCGs hurt the Hawks because Hawthorne's game plan was all about once they get a hold of the footy, maintaining possession and really using their skill level. So the MCG becomes a crucial piece of that because it's big and wide. They don't necessarily have to run like they do. They just have to keep the ball moving. And obviously they, they beat Brisbane, uh, they beat Richmond at the MCG. So that, for them, became a bit of a weapon. But the, the middle of the ground is a, a massive concern because they're getting smashed through the middle. And the thing is, opposition sides, and for their last three games, they've got Gold Coast, they've got the Dogs, and they've got the Saints – and all those sides run. So I, I zero. Can't, could they lose all three of them? I, I can't see them winning those games because as soon as the ball hits the ground, the run and spread, and we saw it with the, the Essendon side last week with McGrath and, and Shield and Merritt, and we saw with the Adelaide players during the week, the young ones, just as soon as the ball hits the ground, goes into a bit of space, they've got three or four metres on a lot of the Hawthorne players, which is a real worrying sign. And, and we've put McAvoy down back. For, from a longevity point of view, but it's he was such a, an important person to have in the middle of the ground. And at the end of the day, you've got to keep trying to, to chalk up wins. You've got to get that balance right, and I keep going on about it. You've got to have that mix right through the middle. You know, we see with the Bulldogs at the moment, who's going in there? Smith. Why does Smith go in there? Because he's a, run, he's a runner. And so all of a sudden, he gives them a new look. They get plenty of the footy. You've got Bontempelli through there, McRae, who moves – in a similar way, but you throw Smith in there and all of a sudden, you know, he can really break the game open. Uh, there's a lot of other sides in that situation as well. So, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do because they're going to have to um, rejuvenate the list. You can't get rid of six or seven older players at once. They've always been good with Jordan Lewis, uh, Sam Mitchell, Luke Hodge. They've always been super honest about, listen, we'll give you one more year, but that, that's it. And then they've gone off and found new homes because they've just thought that that's what they needed to do. And in this situation, you can say, well, hang on, I think, I think they've got it wrong. I think they've held on to too many of the older types. 
there was probably back in Clarko's early years, he, he wouldn't have probably been so soft on that. Well, not soft on that. Um, so I suppose giving him the right exit that some of the players have had this year, I reckon he would have been a bit more ruthless whereas he knows a lot of those players have done so much for the club over a long time. So, yes, I still think they can add some stuff to the football club. But, you know, I think he needs to get back to the ruthless Clarko and really turn things over. There has to be a change of captain, doesn't there? No question. Uh, it, was a, it was a bizarre decision at the time, I think. Uh, as good a player as Ben Stratton was through those three premiership years in the sense that I, I found it a strange decision that he actually got the job. He was a very quiet Captain within the group, um, you know, he's seen as sort of, sort of a low-key uh, sort of guy. I think you need a captain. There's different forms of captain, but I think you need a, a hard-edge captain, particularly when you've got a young group coming through. Jager O'Meara should be captain of that club next year. You're got, you've already had that little wince on your face. Well, he's then. always injured. Correct. But uh, not always injured, but I, I think he's such an important player. And I think that was the problem with Ben Stratton at the time. They didn't really have a lot of options to, to choose a captain after Ruffy. Uh, but for me, it's Jager O'Meara. Who else shows the leadership qualities that, uh, that Jager does? But you're right. The injury issue is a concern, but I think they've just got to do it. Well, you've got Sicily as well, but he's out for a year. He's not going to play next year. And he's a bit petulant to be captain. Hawthorne's very best yeah. player is out for a year. Mm. So that's, that's the thing you forget about, isn't it? You think So 2021's almost gone. So that's yeah, they've got, best player. They've got a lot of work to do. He's well, their Sicily, best Sicily, pretty close. Yeah, well, I think well, he is. Well, the most got important Tom Mitchell player. through the middle. You got O'Meara through the middle. I think but he's more Tom's important than they are. Sicily, yeah, sets them up really, really well. Mm. Uh, but he's not going to play. So it's worrying signs. They've got to work out their middle mix. They've got to find like they're, they're missing some real run. Mm. They're, they're missing some real like Smith's obviously been out, but he, he's almost at the end as well. Does he stay? And, that's the question mark. The Bulldogs came for him last year. Uh, he hasn't had probably the year that he would like this year, but who has at Hawthorne? If a club came around, would you – he's not a young man anymore, but would you well, consider well, moving him on as well? If you look at Hawthorne's well? wings, you've got Smith on one side, mm. you've got Tom Scully on the other. Mm. The, the, the way sort of they've been playing is a bit sideways, not necessarily mm. direct. Smith's had a few games this year where he's really taken the game on, but – but a lot of the games have been sideways running, not necessarily real grunt running. But maybe, maybe they've got to, got to get on the front foot, go and try and pinch a, a Smith from the Bulldogs, offer him a long term, you know, <laughs> long term uh, deal. That's what they're missing, you know, someone who can, who can get the footy and really run and break the lines. And I've I've said that as soon as Brad Hill went, it was a real a real key ingredient to the way Hawthorne played was missing. And I just don't think they've recovered totally from uh, his exit when he did decide to move on to Fremantle. Now, listening to Clarko, he speaks like they're still close to bouncing back and not that far away from finals contention. And with good fortune in 2021, they could be there. Now, from last night's side, the players missing Jaeger O'Meara, James Sicily, Isaac Smith, Jonathan Patton, Ricky Henderson. You take five key players from any team, it is going to hurt. Is there a case to be made if they're up and healthy next year? We know Sicily's not going to be there. The other four names come back. They do pick up one or two players in the trade period, which they've done so very well. Is there a case to be made for them rebounding? Uh, maybe a couple of spots, Quinny. I reckon maybe two or three spots on the ladder. But all you're doing is delaying the inevitable. Um, this list, 
Uh, I think when they played against Geelong earlier this year, that was the oldest team that had ever taken the field, equal oldest team that had ever taken the field. The, 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 the list is lopsided. The young kids, we don't know whether they can play or not. Some of them can't. Some of them struggle a little bit. Uh, others we haven't seen enough of. So I'm not convinced that they, with a few of those guys back, as you say, Sicily doesn't play again. Amira, you would think, would hopefully come back and have a good year. We're, we're, we're clutching at straws mm. with the rest, aren't we? Smith's a good player, but we've seen the best of him. Henderson's been a good acquisition. But a good acquisition, not a great acquisition. And Jonathan and Patton, we just don't know. We don't know. He's and never had clear running. No, that's right. And that's been a, a really disappointment uh, for the club because they really thought um, and they really hoped that he might make a real difference there. And it's heartbreaking to see what's what's happened to Jonathan Patton. And we've seen, especially over the last month, that, okay, Hawthorne season's finished, yet we still haven't seen the introduction of a lot of these young kids. Some of the young kids that have come in have played games over the last few years and Alistair Clarkson's uh, game style is is get the footy, keep things off, you know, use our skill level. But the problem is the young kids they're bringing in, their skill level's not ready. Um, so that's probably why he's been a bit reluctant. But I can assure you behind closed doors from what happened against Adelaide, bringing those senior types in, he would be really, really lost with where things are at. And there's no doubt about it, the next three weeks – don't even try and win a game. Mm. It's like, who who can we bring in right now? Bring in Finn McGuinness. Absolutely. He's a running type. Moore hasn't been playing much footy. Mm. He's probably one of their best runners. at the. Fo- bring them in. Give them exposure. Give them the opportunity because they're going to have to be the ones that really drive this club moving forward. And it's amazing what young kids can get out of playing one or two games before a preseason to kickstart for the following year. It's amazing what they can get out of it. And now's the time. And there's no excuses around that. You have to actually pull the trigger. You have to make the hard calls this week on some of them. Say thank you very much. We'll give you a farewell game, last game of the year. But the next couple of weeks, I've got to play these young kids. What are we expecting to see Hawthorne deliver against St Kilda this week? Oh, it, it could be messy. The Saints are not going that well either, Quinny, as well, in that sense. But, you know, I've given up on – I keep thinking there's going to be a response to what's happened, you know, the 1-9 in the hub. I keep thinking every week, gee, they're going to kick back. They're going to kick back. The situation against the Crows, this was the game that I thought, they can't lose this game. Surely can't lose this game. They've brought back a number of senior players, uh, and it just didn't work. They never looked like winning the game. The Crows took the game on. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying saying let's get rid of Alistair Clarkson. Crows should have had the game won by the end it of the first have been quarter. Over. And that, there, were little, there were little instances in that game when, when McAdam runs around and, and kicks an, an open goal, little things that were just so messy that around the captain, senior yeah, yeah. players were able to do. And it's just I don't think they've handled the hub mentality as well. But I'm not, I'm not saying let's get rid of Alistair Clarkson. He's contracted till the end of 2021. I think for his own long-term benefit, he needs, and the president might not like this, Jeff Kennett, but he needs to go back to go forward again. And once he gets that, you know, around his mind, I think he'll do as good a job as anyone. Is there a chance Clarko says, I think I'm done here. I've achieved four premierships. I can't be not bothered, but it's a long process. Can you see him going right down to the bottom of the well and starting again? Definitely not. No way. Oh, no, I can see him. No, he, he won't give up. No way. He, he, that's not in him. He'll uh, he'll fight his way through it. He'll make them competitive. He'll find a way. And I can understand a lot of th- the examples he's used because they're examples which are, are real-life examples. You know, teams have turned it pretty quickly. But a lot of those teams have had young talent that you could, you could scratch the surface a little bit and see there's something there. At the moment, 
Uh, Hawthorne have got a bit of work to do. But against the Saints, the Hawks got no chance. The Saints will run them off their feet, very much like Essendon didn't bring their A game in the first half, but once they got that going, they just destroyed them. So if if St Kilda picks a running side, which Brett Radden knows Hawthorne back to front, uh, which he will, he'll, he'll have the fastest forward line he could possibly put with uh, King up there. Uh, Hawthorne really struggled with small, real fast forwards. So I'm expecting it to be a big margin and it'll give St Kilda a lot of confidence heading towards the finals, which I expect them to make the finals, even though they haven't won their last few matches, but they've been close. Last week, you made Essendon your best bet of the week up against your beloved Hawks. Did it fill you with great delight seeing Essendon charge over the top of them so you could get your best bet, correct? Well, I couldn't. Well, Hawthorne, a bit like Adelaide, could have had the game sort of done and dusted by quarter time. It's amazing. Straight kicking and scoreboard pressure, sides that are a long way back, it looks like you, you can never get there. So, but because Hawthorne hit the post and missed those, um, you know, and we saw with Adelaide as well, they had their chances and didn't put Hawthorne away early. You could have pretty much stamped the game by half time. So, no, that, that game was quite incredible. I was always worried about Essendon and their running capacity. And the thing is, good sides are very aware of, oh, okay, we're playing Essendon, we know their midfield can really run. So they set up really well and set up defensively. They let them run, but they let them run wide and, and overuse the footy a bit. Whereas, you know, just at the moment, um, you know, the Hawks, Hawks have got massive issues when you sort of look right across. They've got defenders down the back who can't kick very well. Through the middle, they don't have enough run. And in their forward line, they rely on Gunston uh, to kick the goals. Not dissimilar to Hawthorne. North Melbourne. Now, they've got a few more out, especially mm. Ben Cunnington, who's just such a vital yeah. player. But looking forward for the Kangas, I don't see a lot of upside, and they've got a monumental task this Saturday against Port. Yeah, and they look like another team that have just not handled the hub at all well. Uh, they've really struggled. But you look at their, their top-end talent that's out is even more so than Hawthorne. You look at, you know, Cunnington, Brown. You know, they've had some – Zeeble, they've had some serious players out. But it's no excuse for the way they've been playing. They're a, they're a competitive outfit, but I uh, – I can't see them winning another game this year, and they've been exceptionally disappointing. We know that they're looking at. Reece Shaw thought that this footy team was going to be, you know, set itself up in the next couple of years to play finals, but I can't see that. Now they need a full on uh, list rebuild, pretty much like Hawthorne in that sense. They desperately need that. They've got some good options in the draft, Croft. They've. Uh, They've stockpiled a little bit of uh, a little bit of armory this year for for this year's draft, and they're going to need it. It's it's funny when you look at lists coming into the start of this year. Mm. We're all expecting North Melbourne to improve. We're expecting the Hawks to be competitive. Yeah. We're expecting Gold Coast to still be pretty low. So it's amazing what happens behind closed doors. Yeah. And I I knew this when I was at Hawthorne during the tough years. Every year you'd have a preseason. You introduce some new players. You'd always have a bit of hope. Yeah, this is a year, gee, we're training well. And it wasn't until you actually started the games and really tested yourself that that confidence slowly gets yeah. eaten away. And this year is more different than any other, isn't it, with the hub mentality. It's, 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 there's been challenges this year that players have had and clubs have had that uh, in terms of training and, and stuff like that. So the younger teams have probably been a bit disadvantaged, but you, you look at a team like Gold Coast who have done some amazing things, uh, you know, it's, you can do it. Look, uh, from a Gold Coast point mm. of view... I think they're good going I, I know this is a bit cool, but I, I can see them contending over the next couple of years. Contending? Like, I could, it wouldn't even surprise me next year. Finals next year? Yeah, just because... And I, I saw it at Hawthorne when Buddy Franklin and Jordan Lewis, we had Cyril Rioli, mm. 
Um, there was some rough head. Yeah. Like, they had a couple of years together. They weren't ready. But if they all stick together, work hard, play their role, train hard, understand what they're capable of doing, the improvement isn't like a lot of other teams, which just gradually improves. The improvement just really spikes and goes yeah. through the roof. And with North uh, Melbourne, they... They obviously beat North Melbourne by 10 goals. They should have won by 20, Croft, yeah, really, shouldn't yeah. they? The way they... And, and the thing is, we, a lot of people are expecting them to really drop away in the second half of the season like they have done in the past. But this is a very different side uh, we're dealing with from a Gold Coast point of view. And you look at the young talent, it is group one, as we would say, Quinny. So as long as they've got good coaching and a coach who really emphasises team and and chemistry, uh, 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 the sky is the absolute limit, and it's it's never happened that a Gold Coast team has been successful at any sport. But I think the Gold Coast Suns, I can, I can see a lot of rainbows and a lot of sunshine. The four bottom teams on the ladder at the moment: Adelaide, North Melbourne, Sydney Swans, and Hawthorne. All of them in relatively similar Ooh. situations where they've been going all right the last couple of years, and now they've got some problems because they've got not a lot of young talent. Some senior players coming to the end. Of those four teams, which is the better position going forward? I've loved what the Swans have done this year. You know, Kennedy, Heaney go out of the side. Buddy Franklin hasn't played all year. They've played all these young kids and they've been competitive, you know. They've actually just found a way to to keep being matches. They've won some good matches against the odds. And I've been really impressed with what they've done. And it, it takes a brave coach to pull the trigger and do it that way because you know we might get whipped here. This is, this could be a you know a hard situation to work through, but I can see I, I can see a huge positive from what they've done with some of their young talent this year from a Sydney Swans point of view. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think they've got some really good kids. I, I think I wish Buddy Franklin was two or three years younger. That would be fantastic to to, to help them get through to the next stage. But I tell you, Adelaide, we don't know. We're not sure where Adelaide that they're in a rebuild themselves. Um, North, my. Goodness, they've got some work to do, so have Hawthorne. So I think Croft might be right with the Swans. Other question, which is the team you are least bullish about going forward? Unfortunately, mine is North Melbourne. From what I've seen over the last two months, it has to be Hawthorne, you know. Uh, but I, I just know that it's, it's such a good organisation. And I just know that it's, it's something that they'll find their way through. But I reckon this is sort of uncharted waters where they're at right now because I think they've uh, not necessarily been let down, but a lot of the senior players just haven't performed to the level. And you don't need them to be the best players, just haven't performed to the level that you want them to perform. And now they've got to make some pretty pretty tough calls moving forward. So I, I would say Hawthorne is the list that is the huge question mark on how, how do you actually you – know, this is when <laughs> where you get paid – all the money you deserve from a coaching point of view, from a list management point of view, you've got to get in there and you've got to find a way to uh, get them competitive again. You've got to find that young talent. You've got to coach that young talent and bring them on as quickly as possible. And, uh, yeah, I think they're in the most precarious position. Who should be captain of Hawthorne in 2021? Oh, who should be? Probably Jaeger O'Meara, although, you know, I think Mitchell as well. Mitchell is first year back after a uh, broken leg. He'll be much better next year, but I think the last month he's had a really good block. But I, I, I think, you know, someone maybe through the midfield, someone who can really push them along. So I think Mitchell or O'Meara. From your playing time, how important is the role as captain? 
Well, you, you need the captain to lead by example in some way, whether it be voice instruction or out on the field. So, you know, and someone that your teammates will respect by the way they go about it. So uh, it, it's it's an important role. But I think th- these days a lot of people question leadership groups and, you know, why is there so many in there? But I think it's great that everyone has some ownership and you can share those responsibilities. However, at the end of the day, you know, you look at some of the great captains, you know, who've really sort of dominated on field and, and they just lift when they have to. You know, Luke Hodge is obviously one who was was someone who could really have an influence and not only bark a lot of instructions, but actually have an influence and be physical when he needed to or, you know, so I think that's a real advantage if you can get a player like that who can demonstrate and, and use the abilities they have. Uh, especially within a game, because it really does empower others. Yeah, no, I agree. Captain is so important in so many different ways. It's funny that clubs have gone, a few clubs have actually gone back the other way. And so, you know, the big leadership groups, some clubs had, you know, ridiculously had 10 and 11 in leadership groups. There's been a few clubs in recent years, and Richmond being one of them as well, who've had really small, compact leadership groups, which which is fascinating, I reckon. The Tigers certainly have looked at that in, in the past. Uh, Shane was a good captain himself, weren't you? You well, my, my captaincy was uh, I was I was all about training, being a good example from a training point of view, and playing, you know, with a lot of spirit and and so forth. Were you Whereas, vocal? Were you very vocal? Like Ben Stratton's criticism, both on the field and off the field, is he's not vocal well, it's, enough. It's hard when you're a midfielder because you're catching your breath all the time. But um, you know, it's, it's, some of the great captains have great voice out on the field. Some others, you know, just lead by example. Mm. You know, James Hurd, he wouldn't say a great deal. He'd just get out there and dominate, you know. Um, so I think it's very hard to be a player who gets out on the field and, and leads by example, but then someone who really is extremely vocal as well. So that is why the leadership groups and the defence needs a captain. The midfield needs a captain. Your forward needs a captain. Because uh, I think it's really important from a feedback point of view, but also from a coaching point of view. And if you can get those pillars right and you can have really good, um, strong leadership in those areas, you look at, you know, the, the teams that are doing really well. You know, you look at Geelong, why are they doing so well? Tom Hawkins is in that forward line. He's been there for a long time. Okay, so he steers it through there. And you've got Dangerfield and Selwood through the middle. Down back, you've got Harry Taylor, Harry who's Taylor, been there yeah. a long time. So you've got good, strong leadership who sticks to exactly what the coach wants. So Chris Scott can pretty much sit back, put his feet up, and all the coaching gets done during the week, and he just relies on those players to really drive it during the match. Changing tact a little bit, the West Coast Eagles a fortnight ago, they were a clear premiership favourite, and Croft, you put the pen through them. You said they were not a contender. (laughs) Since then, they've returned to Queensland and been pretty much touched up by Richmond before producing an uninspired performance against Essendon where they fell over more because the Bombers are... Well, I don't think I've seen a team with less football smarts than them in 2020. What do we make of the West Coast Eagles they going forward? They were off a four-day break or, or so, you know, as well. So Who? We need to, the, Bombers? the Bombers? So you need to take that into account. Oh, they should have won, though. They They're, just do so many stupid things game to game. It's unbelievable. No, so I, I, I was quite bullish with what uh, the Bombers did because it's knowing that they were coming off a pretty short break and you got West Coast need to actually get some confidence playing in Queensland. So... I haven't, I haven't actually put a pen right through West Coast. I've actually been 
quite happy with what they've done in the last two weeks against. Sounds uh, like he's got the liquid paper out. <laughs> <of the year>. <laughs> against <laughs> Richmond, I thought they were fairly good, and you've got to remember Kennedy goes out, so that's a key pillar and a bit of a focal point for a dump kick, which obviously Richmond dominated down back uh, in that game. And um, against Essendon, I just thought it was a good gutsy sort of grinding win. So the pen hasn't gone directly through them yet. I just favour a few other sides ahead of them. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, Quinny. I think Geelong and Richmond are ahead of them at the moment. Uh, they've got a few little injury worries. and You do worry about them in that hub scenario that they they don't seem to – I think they're a four-goal better team in Perth. So they're mentally suspect, we suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but I, I do think they are actually a four-goal better team in Perth. I think they really thrive over there. I think I've got Geelong and Richmond slightly ahead of them. They've got a few little injury issues, obviously, with – you know, um, Kennedy will come back from that. But Luke Shuey is a – it was a strange decision – to allow him to come back on in that game with the hamstring, sort of a bit of an issue with the hamstring. Um, you know, the, the Eagles are basically saying that there was, you know, that he'd already done the damage, but I'm not sure I'll be putting a bloke like Luke Shuey back out there with a sore uh, hammy. Would so you? if we had to predict the grand final teams at this stage, would it be Richmond and Geelong? I just want to say on West Coast, I think with Nat Nui, I think you, you can you can take too many chances around stoppages. Percentage-wise, is not the best way to do it. I reckon you've got to play pretty boring football around the stoppages with Nat Nui. Not necessarily try for these flybys and this really beautiful play to break out of the centre because if it doesn't go your way, it becomes a big advantage for the team you're playing. So I think if they can fix that and keep it pretty simple without all the tricks, add the tricks if they're getting on top and got a bit of a um, scoreboard advantage. But um, at, at the moment, I, I would have to say Geelong... I just like the way they keep setting up. I reckon they manage their list really well. I'm still hoping Brisbane can click into fourth gear. I haven't seen them in fourth gear the, this year. And whether or not they've just had a break, they're coming out of it, they're going to take the pies on. Pies have been very good, won four of their last five. Just whether or not Brisbane can actually get that chemistry connection and also you know, not have so many at the foot of the ball. I, I, I just I still think they've got more to give. So now the grand final is going to be played at the Gabba. I think that's a big advantage for them. So I'm expecting them to be in a grand final. Interesting, isn't it? You know, the teams that play well at the Gabba, you look at, you know, the, the, you're always interested Richmond in Richmond won 16 in a row, 16 in, just, in a row in Queensland. They haven't yeah. lost since 2004 at the Gabba. Isn't that incredible? 2004, uh, amazing effort. That's why I'm, I'm Richmond Geelong at the moment. That's where I'm sitting. They may not finish top two the way things are, are placed. Port Adelaide and Brisbane are pretty well placed to finish in that top two. But I think these two teams, as Croft was saying, uh, uh, you know, Richmond and Geelong are going to take a power of beating. If, if I'm playing Richmond, I'm tagging Cochin. I'm taking him, especially mm. around stoppages. I'm making sure because he's quite incredible what he can do around a stoppage. Is it? It's it's not a perfect kick, but as soon as he gets it, it's a quick kick forward. It might be a thirty meter kick. 35-metre kick, and and it's like Richmond know what's going to happen. They know there's going to be a quick dump kick. Okay, we've just got to be first for that and give us every chance and hit the ball to advantage. So if I'm taking Richmond on, I'm tagging Trent Cotchin. I'm giving him no access to the ball around stoppages. I'm making sure I've got front position, and I'm taking him out of the game because I think he's the most important link from a Richmond point of view, it's it's not your Dusty. Dusty's a, an awesome player, unbelievable player. But it, as Trent Koch and what he does around the stoppage work, is just incredible. Croft put away the board games. The AFL rolls on and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Tab account customers only. 
Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. The Bombers, so very frustrating. They are so frustrating to watch because they've got the makeup of a really good team. They just, for whatever reason, cannot put it together. They would probably need to win all three remaining games to play finals. They've got Geelong, then Port Adelaide, then Melbourne. Of the three, how many will they win? I don't think they'll win any of those, to be honest. I know that's sounding a little harsh because they're playing good foot, reasonably good footy, but I think they can drop all of them, um, which is a problem. Uh, and I, I don't think they'll make it. They need to win all three to do it. Um, they are the most frustrating team because they've got, they've got talent. They've got, they've got capability, but they just can't put it on the scoreboard, can they? Have they been the biggest underachievers in 2020? Uh, I, I think they probably have in the sense that I had them sort of finish around the eight, but Hawthorne to me are the biggest underachievers. I thought North might drop a little, and but the fact that Hawthorne and North Melbourne are right down the bottom, they're the ones that, that I thought that, you know, I thought that actually be fairly competitive and, and, and both of them have been really strong uh, at the contest and they haven't this year at all. They have had injuries. Like yeah, I'm going to stick up for Essendon because yeah. they have had... They have had a lot of you injuries. You know, their captain, Heppel, Stringer, you know, Danaher's yep. just started to come back. So they've had to to try and find a way to be competitive, which they have. Mm. They haven't won a first quarter since round two, Ooh, which was, was against ago. the Sydney Swans where they won, where they kicked five goals in that first quarter. Mm. They end up holding on and winning by a goal. So first quarters are a real issue. They've, they've drawn a couple of first quarters, but they haven't won. <laughs> Since round two. So that, that's a real concern. You're always chasing. And it's a hard game to keep chasing all the time. So they've got to try and find a way. But if you look at their forward line, if they can get Danaher and Stringer, Tip and Woody. Does he stay, Croft? Oh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'll come back to that. <laughs> but you've got Stringer, you've got uh, Danaher, um, you've got Tip and Woody. Mosquito, super fast. I think Smith has to be a half forward. At the moment, they keep pushing him down back a bit. I hate seeing him kicking the ball in the back line. I'm like, no, he, he's got to be up the field. He's, he's a great tackler. He's a super smart player. He kicks goals. Um, he needs to play across that half forward line. Merritt, you've got Heppel now, Merritt. You've got McRae, uh, not McRae, uh, McGrath, who's a, who's a star. Um, Shield. Shield, of they, course. They've, yeah. got, they've got the ingredients to be a top four side. Have so, they got the game plan? That's the thing. That's the, the well, question not, mark. Not at the moment, point. but yeah. the, even their defence seems to be holding it reasonably well. So mm. I'm expecting Essendon to to bounce back next year a bit. You know, even though they've been highly competitive this year, I think, you know, back at the MCG, crowd behind them, a good run at it from an injury point of view. I can I can see this list contending. I think they've got a lot of upside. They're just, they have, yeah. I think they've been poorly coached, and I think next year it might right. be a – Breath of fresh air for well, them. Well, they can, and they can really turn it around. They've got the, they've got. We talked about those other teams that haven't got the talent. Essendon's got the talent. They've just got to get the, um, the capability in their game to to get the most out of themselves. Speaking of talent, you blokes have it in spades, and we're going to end the show with Uh-oh. our best bets for the weekend, where round fifteen and sixteen merge into each other. What can we come up with? I'll start with you, Shane Crawford. Well, we're going to go the Saints against the Hawks, oh. um, but a good margin. So go twenty five plus points. Um, I'm pretty confident that'll be the case just because it'll be uh, similar to an Essendon scenario where I just think they'll run and run and run. And Brett Ratton knows Hawthorne intimately, as does Jared Ruffhead, who's now up in Queensland in the hub. So uh, that intimate knowledge goes a long, long way. So I'm expecting that to be a, uh, a big victory. 
for the Saints. Ooh, I like it. Uh, I'm going a three-way multi. Unfortunately, the goal line decision last week in Alice Springs. <laughs> I was ready to, ready to start suing in that, in that regard as well. But I'm going to go Melbourne to win, GWS to win, St Kilda to win. I reckon you can get some good money out of that. I'm doing exactly the same and throwing in Geelong as well. So hopefully our bets can be winning bets. And punters, if you're betting, bet with your head and not above it. And make sure you join us again next week on Tabs Inside 50. G'day punters, Shane Crawford here joining you for another non-stop run of AFL matches. I'll be up against my Inside 50 co-host Nick Quinn in a first goal scorer tipping competition. Yes, that's right, Crawford. Three games down, 20 more to go across 14 days of footy. The only thing sweeter will be the look on your face when I come home with the goods. No way. Now, punters, you can make up your own minds. Follow our picks on Instagram and Twitter to see who we've backed to kick the first goal during AFL's 14-day frenzy. Quinny, bring it on.